if you have a Bible, I want you to go ahead and, uh, and turn, if you will, uh, to Luke chapter 19. All right, Luke chapter 19. We'll be there in a minute. But uh, when, you, uh, when you take a look at a day like today, uh, it's, it's when you think of time of the year that it is. I always like to just to share something real simple with you guys. And, and so we've done this and kind of shared with you some things and some of the symbolisms in the scriptures that have to do with the Christmas time of the year. And so, and I've used a Christmas carol, right? I've used uh, Charles Dickens' story to let you see this, to let you see this pattern that is, uh, that is found throughout the scriptures. Uh, and and it, it, it repeats, it's told in a different way to where sometimes we think it's different, but in reality, it's the same. And uh, it's, this, it's this thought of past, right? Past and present and, 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 uh, and future. And, and you look at all of these. We, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. And, and obviously today is future. And, uh, and so, but I, I do want to, I want, to, I want to walk you through all of these. And then at the end, we'll pull some of it together. I have another clip, video clip for you, obviously, today. Because the week from today is Christmas Eve, which is, which we'll just have, we'll have our Christmas Eve services on that day. But I, I just, again, I just want you to see it today. I want, you to, I want you to be encouraged by it, but also I want you to see it and, uh, and understand this concept of what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? What do those things mean, right? And so let me go ahead and walk you through just a little bit of it. Isaiah chapter 9. Now you stay in the Luke passage. That's where we're going to be in just a minute. But I want to kind of bring you kind of back up to where we have been. But it talks in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. Uh, number one is walked in darkness. Notice that that is past tense, right? That is past tense. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says the people walked or who walked. That's past tense in darkness. So there's this metaphor that talks about darkness and light. You're going to see several of these, and they all mean the same thing, but it's just a different way of helping you understand, you and I understand, right? So you have, you have darkness and light, you have death and life, right? You have lost and found, you have enslaved and free. It's all the same thought of the, of the same truth, right? And it all is shared in a different way. But, the, but this, this whole thought of past, you know, of past, of, of who we are. And, and remember that there are three needs that you have, okay? There are three needs that you have. One has to do with the past, one has to do with the present, and one has to do with the future. You have the past, the need for forgiveness, right? The present needs purpose, and the future needs an answer, needs security. And when you put all three of those, those are your biggest needs, you know, when I think about, when I think about those, when we look at this, have walked in darkness, there's, there's things, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, we took the entire time to talk about that, people walked in darkness, and talk about what does it mean to when you walk in darkness, and how things, obviously, you can't see in darkness, obviously, and so, so things are frightening, things can be frightening, there's a lot of fear, uh, the unknown, what's there, what's not there, what you hear, what you don't hear, right? And everything that goes with darkness and what that means. People live differently when they are in darkness as opposed to when they're in light. So there's this picture then of the people walked in darkness, right? And that's all of us. And then number two, they've seen a great light. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. When light is introduced to a situation, 
It always changes things. Therefore, when we say something like, we use it, the metaphor, in everyday life all the time. Well, something, uh, some new information came to light. What does that mean? That means it's something that was hidden, something that you didn't see, something that you didn't know, all right? It was revealed, and you now can see it and know it. We use the metaphor, we use the thought of, you know, oh, well, it just dawned on me that. What does that mean? That means is that it was dark, you couldn't see, but when the sun came up, dawn, I, would, I was able to see it, right? It's kind of like if you've ever been on a long trip and traveling through the darkness, you're right, and then, uh, and then, you, <clears throat> and then you go in uh, to a hotel or go to a campsite or whatever, and uh, you set all up, and then uh, you wake up the next morning, and as it dawns, you're going, wow, I didn't know it looked like this. Why? Because you hadn't seen it. It dawned on me. That is, it was revealed. So this whole thought of light is this picture of being able to see something or understand something that you couldn't see or understand before. So when it says here that, when it says in understanding that Jesus is the light of the world, which is what we're gonna celebrate on Christmas Eve, right? Is that there's this whole picture then of who Jesus is. Okay, he is light, but that's just the metaphor. That's not the actuality. That's just the metaphor that says, well, what does he come to do? He comes to allow you to be able to see the truth about not only who you are, but about who he is. So you have some, again, just putting these things together just so you can understand. And it says in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people walked in darkness, right? Who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Well, a little later in Isaiah chapter 9, it tells you who this light is or what this light is. And it's found in verse 6. And we talked about this last week. This is still a little bit of a review, but I want you to see the whole thought today. Right? So it goes on and says, for, for obviously, for unto us a child is born. So this light is going to be a child. And unto us a son is given. Government's going to be on his shoulders. And his name's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. And is one who can bring truth, that is, God's truth, and in, in for your situation. That is, one who, a counselor is supposedly one who has an answer to a situation you don't have the answer for. So wonderful counselor, mighty God, this is, the, this is the thought for almighty God. We talked about this last week, but I just want to give you, just remember. So to me, it is one of the great, it is one of the most curious things to try to understand is that how could a child be the almighty God? Because it says here, for unto us a child is born and his name will be called almighty God. Okay, how's that even possible? How can the Almighty, that means all-powerful, how can that become one of the most vulnerable, weakest of all creation, which is the human newborn? Isn't that incredible? So that's, that's this picture. A child is born, his name will be called Almighty God, Everlasting Father. Again, how can the eternal have a beginning? So that, again, we've talked about that, but I just want you to mean, so, so this light, this present, okay, that is the present, that comes into the world, is the one that brings answers to the darkness. You know, when all you've ever known is darkness, you don't know that there's ever anything any different, right? Until all of a sudden, you can see, and then you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. I've always wondered about that. Always, again, to me, it, it is remarkable to think about when you look at this 
Almighty God, everyone's fighting. And then Prince of Peace. Most people don't understand Prince of Peace. They think it has to do with absence of wars. But really what it has to do with is to have a relationship with the God who created you, right? And the peace that comes because that's the, way, that's the reason that you were created. And so then you have then this present look. For unto us, a child of, but before the people walk in darkness have seen a great light. Therefore, we also talked about last week that we talked about how that the circumstances around that God has revealed that light to you. And it's all shapes and sizes. This again, we talked about just, and I'll share with you a little bit of my story. If I was, guys, I, as I told you, I was, I was in church all my life. I knew all the stuff. I had all the knowledge that you needed to have. But something, there was something that, that again, I, I may have known it, but, it, but I, I, didn't, I didn't know it, if you understand. It's just that I had the knowledge of it, and yet something was, something was missing, right? Something was obviously missing. And so I think about those circumstances around which God has used to bring light into your life. We talked about it last week, the wise men. And how did they know this, this, this star? And how did they know to follow the star? I have no idea, right? Scriptures don't really tell us. All I know is, is that they were following it. It was the light that God gave them to lead them, right, to who Christ is. And I think, in, I think, perfect, I th- I think amazingly that that happens to, to, mo- to all of us. I think God will put light in your life. The question is not do you know him, but do you want to know him? I found those that want to know that God will put light in your life to allow you to be able to follow and find if you seek it. Why? Because the scriptures teach if you seek him, you will find him. That is a powerful concept, a powerful thought. Therefore, he's the one that puts light into our life. Interesting. It's an amazing thing when you begin to think about this past, present, and future and the needs that all of us have. Yes, past forgiveness, but guys, the biggest thing to me was, was a purpose, was just sheer purpose in the present. You know, I have found so many people have tried to add meaning to their life or add importance by saying that what they're doing is this, 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 and this, but it's real hard to find an ultimate purpose unless you understand who he is in your life. Because if you say my life is all about, so many times people make their life all about things that really don't matter, right? They just don't matter. And so you wind up, you know, scouring around in the darkness, looking from thing to thing to find some sort of point. And I remember that as 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 an unbeliever because I was immersed in sports. And people today make such a big deal out of sports. And I like them, by the way. I actually love them. But if that's what your life is all about, it's a little trivial, is it not? A bunch of people playing a game. So my whole life is about a game? Of course not. We know there's more. We know there's got to be more. We know that the life that we have is important. We know that God's given us to us. And we look for And we have this drive inside of us to find something that matters. But see, that's the incredible part about it is 
You're not going to find it until your eyes are open and you can see it. Oh, oh, right? And when you see it, that's why it's called light. And when you see it, nobody else will be able to talk you out of it. Does that make sense? And nobody will be able to talk you out of it. And that's the, that's the incredible point of it. That's the, incredible, that's the incredible thing that when somebody sees it, it changes them because they have seen it. But it's easy to doubt something you've never been able to see. Right? So it just is, to me, it's an incredible, it's an amazing thing uh, this time of the year, this whole, this whole thought of the, of the present, right? And the circumstances that God will use in your life to bring light into your life. And so that brings us to the last one. So what I've wanted to share with you is that people who have walked in darkness, that's the past, have seen a great light, right? That's the present, and that's the circumstances that God brings light into your life. And if you want to know, you'll be able to follow the light to find out both past, present, and future, right? Now, which brings us to number three, which is, which is there's going to be no end. All right, so let's take a look back at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, right? His name will be called, you know, uh, excuse me, obviously, and the government's going to be on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Look at this. And of the increase of his government, here we go, and of peace, there will be no end. Okay, I'm not, I don't have time to explain the increase of his government, but let's just stick with this. And the increase of peace, there's not going to be an end. So he's going to do something that's going to be eternal. So therefore, a future that is secure, that is a future that has an answer to death, right? There's going to be an end, right? You read the rest of it, from this time forth and forevermore, that means eternity, all right? That's why, because unto us a child is born, and his name will be called Everlasting Father. Therefore, what the great, one of the great needs you have, light bulb, light bulb, light bulb, is an answer for the future. Because when a future is secure, you can live differently in the present. It's an amazing thing. When they all go together, it truly is exciting to take a look at. So then this future... Not just a future that's secure, but it's also a change. Because when light comes into your life, you live differently. Why? Because just people live differently when you can see. People walk differently than when they can see, than when they can't see. And it just, it's this picture of an impacted life, you know, it's an amazing thing to me. When somebody has seen it for themselves, therefore God's, you know, God's revealed it to them and they've seen it, nobody can talk them out of it. Why? Because their life has changed and they've seen it. You know, it's like sometimes some, somebody will say to me, and I hate to dispute them, but somebody will say to me, well, you know, I used to be a Christian. I'm like, no, you didn't. I don't, want to, I don't want to bust your bubble, but you didn't used to be a believer because how can you deny now what you say you've seen? I mean, you just can't say I used to be a believer. It just is not possible, right? And if he changes you, and if you really are a different person in here, there's no such thing as I used to be. That's only if you think it's just a purely intellectual thing. 
well, yeah, you know, I have a religious spasm, you know, and I got religious for a little while, but uh, it didn't really work for me, so I threw it away. Okay, I get that. Okay, that's just some little religious ditty you went through, and then you found something else when you got tired of it. You see, being a believer is not so much about what you believe, but it's about who you are and who he's made you to be and the difference that comes into a person's life when light comes into their life. It is truly a remarkable thing. A couple of illustrations to share with you, all right? We're going we're gonna, to, Luke 19, that's what I had you turn to. This is the story of Zacchaeus, okay? Zacchaeus. And he has been called by many the Scrooge of the Bible, all right? And you're going to see, again, you're going to see this same parallel that Dickens picked up on. You're going to see this same past, present, and circumstances and what God did and then how it impacted his life. You're going to see, you're going to see the whole thing in this one little story, right? It's, it's Scrooge in about 12 verses, okay? In fact, you're, again, many believe, but you know how that is. You don't know because Dickens is not around to tell us, but many believe that, that Dickens pulled a good chunk of his story from Zacchaeus, possibly. I can't say that. Obviously, you know, a lot of people can, can suspect things and, and different things, and it may not be true. But either way, I want you just to follow along with a very simple story of what many have called just like a, like a children's story. And here it is. He entered, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. That is, Jesus was just passing through Jericho. I have been to Jericho. It is one of the oldest cities on earth, okay? It's a place of, uh, it was an oasis in the middle of the desert, still is. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a neat, it's, a, it's a neat place if you've ever been there, but Jesus was just passing through there. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, I don't know if you grew up in church, but I did. And every time I say the name, the song, all right? If you don't know the song, then God bless you. I'm not going to sing it for you. But you just about can't, you know, he was a wee little man, all right? And a wee little man was he, and, you know, it had motions. He climbed up in, okay, if you don't know what it is, then God bless you. But if, you, if, if, you, if that was drilled into you like it was to me, then that's all you remember. But this is a story about a, about a guy who was lost. This was a story about a guy who lived in darkness, right? Because the God he served was darkness. You'll see it in just a minute. If we can get away from the song, I just can't, it just rings in my head. But let's, let's try, okay? So there's a man named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, I want you to think about this, chief tax collector. What does that mean? Well, I've shared with you stories about, at this particular time, the tax collectors. The tax collectors were hated at their time. Well, they're not loved in our time, but it was different, okay? It was different at this time. The Romans knew. The Roman Empire survived on taxes, and uh, especially taxes from conquered countries. And so they found through the years that the best people to use to collect taxes were nationals. That is, Jewish people, they hired Jewish people to take taxes from Jewish people. Why? Because the Jewish people know the other Jewish people. And so he knows what they have. He knows they know everything. So they employed them. Now, 
I want you to understand that also they had the Roman government behind them, but also the Roman government didn't care how many taxes they took as long as they got what was coming to them. So therefore, if, if Zacchaeus' job was to get $100 from you for, as ta- Roman taxes, and he collected 125 then he gave 100 to the government, and he pocketed 25 himself. And so the Jewish people hated them. Hate, well, you would, we, well, you know what I'm saying. All right. So, and, and they were despised. In fact, they were not only hated, but they were considered traitors to their own people. And you can understand. But remember this. When somebody loves money so much, this is where the Scrooge part of it comes in. They really don't care what other people think about them. Why? Because they love money more than they do other people, which is what Scrooge did, which is why a lot of times people put these two stories together. And you see why. But he loved his money, and he really didn't care that he was hated. Why? Because when money is your God, you'll sacrifice everything else for whatever it is that's your God. Does that make sense to you? But the picture was he was walking in darkness, He thought that that was all there is, money. So therefore, I'm willing to sell out in order to get as much of it as I can. Right? It's an incredible thing. Is that in the metaphor of light and darkness is also slavery and free. A lot of people don't realize that when you live like that, your money doesn't serve you. You serve it. And you sacrifice other things in your life to it. It's an amazing thing when you really begin to see it. If you've got the eyes to see and the ears to hear, when you put these things together, they make perfect sense. But it's real easy to get lost in every, in, when, when it's in the darkness. You know, it's so hard to see. So anyway, so this is who Zacchaeus was. Extremely hated. Extremely hated. Now, and it says here, though, in verse, what is it, three? It says here that he was, can you put it up there? Yeah, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Okay, so he'd heard about Jesus, and perhaps he'd heard the message. And this is such a short story, it seems a little abrupt. But again, this probably happened over a longer time, and Luke was just giving you the, the highlights. But his desire was to find out about who Jesus is. And he had no idea that light was about to enter his life, and he was about to see things that he'd never seen before. And when it wakes you up, it is a remarkable thing. It is one of the great joys of my life, watching people wake up, watching people see for the first time, because they think differently. Because you've always had in your mind the way you think things are, but when the light's turned on, you know how they are. And you're like, oh, that's why everything changes in your life if you become a believer, right? Let's take a look at it. So he was seeking Jesus, uh, but on account of the crowd, okay, he could not, he couldn't see him, right? And there's a whole message here about the inability to see the light because there's too many people in the way. But that's another message, right, for another time. But anyway, he was trying to, to, to get to Jesus and couldn't because of the crowd. And since he was, he was a short guy, right, he was small in stature, right? So he ran ahead, right? He saw the way that the, 
was going because Jesus was just passing through. He wasn't stopping in Jericho. He was just passing through. And so Zacchaeus went around and, uh, and, he, and he got up in a tree so he could get some height so he could see. And it was a sycamore tree. Climb the, uh, sorry. Right. If you don't know the song, I know it's killing you, all right? But don't worry, it's fine. So anyway, for he was about to pass that way, right? So he climbed the sycamore tree to see him. All right, some of you are getting it, all right. Most of you did not have to do that drilled into your head like I did. All right, all right. For he's about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, this is, again, just put this in your mind. So, so these, Jesus has got this huge crowd around him. He's just walking through, through Jericho. And he stops right at the spot where the guy is in the tree. And he looked up. I have found, personally, that if you want to know him, he'll let himself be known to you personally, if you really want to know. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what you've done. He'll stop. If you want to know him. I've found the problem is most people don't want to know. Right? Therefore, they deny something that they don't even want to know. So sometimes some folks are just willingly blind. Right? They just have their eyes closed. But anyway, so Jesus walks by, and it says here that he stops and he looks up at him. He says, okay, Zacchaeus, I want you to get down. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go home with you today, and I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share the light with you. Right? I'm going to let you understand. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to do all of the metaphors that are used, open door, closed door, light, darkness, slavery, free. I mean, they're all saying the same thing here, but light tends to be the thought of what we're talking about. So he looks up and he says, come now, I want, you, I want to share with you, right? So he bounds down out of the tree. He says he hurries down out of the tree. It says he received him joyfully. I find that incredible. And of course, wherever God's doing a great work, the cold water committee always shows up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The hypocrites, that is the ultra-religious, always start being judgmental. All right, take a look at it. Uh, and when they saw it, right, they all grumbled. He's gone home to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. Right. There's always somebody to judge. Always. You know, I've learned through the years, you have to be real careful because those people can really discourage you. But always remember, they will always be with you. I would Even Jesus, they followed him around, right? If they're going to follow Jesus, they're going to follow you around. And, um, I, you know, there's nothing more to say there. Maybe that we can do another message on that another time. But it's really easy, really easy. I find that, that some of the most discouraging people are those who are religious. I'm not talking about those who have seen the light. I'm talking about those who are religious because there's a huge difference. The Pharisees were religious, right? But Jesus had come to be the light. There is a difference. So what happened? So he goes home and he shares with Zacchaeus. So what does Zacchaeus do? Well, Zacchaeus, uh, Zacchaeus stood up after he'd come home with him, and this was, again, probably a while. He stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Half my goods I'm going to give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'm going to pay him back fourfold. Why? 
Is this what you do in order to become a believer? No, this is what you do after you've seen it. Guys, when your eyes are open and you see it, all of a sudden money's not your God anymore. So you're willing to give it away to make things right. Why? Because you've seen it. And that, those type changes only happen when you see it. Not somebody else tells you, not somebody else guilts you into doing it, but you see it. And when you see it, wild horses couldn't keep you from it. So he came to the point to where he said, you know, I got more money than I need. Why am I hoarding this? Let me give it to people. Let me get it to people who I know can make a difference in their life. And then why pay fourfold? Don't know. Other than the fact that he wanted to make it right. That's what happens when somebody sees the light of Christ. Guys, you don't become a believer by doing these things. You do these things because you've, you've had your eyes open and now you can see. Does that make sense to you? Therefore, I don't ever put guilt on people to do something. Why? Because until you see it, your guilt will run out eventually, right? And you'll fall back. But if you see it yourself, anybody can talk you out of it. When God works, it is a remarkable thing. Remarkable thing. So Jesus looks at him. So wow. Salvation has come to this house. Because what, how can you explain such a remarkable turnaround other than him seeing it? You can. So to me, it has been one of the greatest things, one of the greatest things that I have ever been able to do and to be a part of is to watch people's lives change. Why? Because that is what God is about. Salvation's come to this house. And he goes on to say, why? Because the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. So there it is again, right? The lost found one, same thing, darkness, light. It's sharing with you the same thing. John loved to use this picture of light and darkness. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he says, he goes on to say, this is the message we've heard from him proclaimed to you, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. All right, here we go. Here's the picture. If we say we have fellowship with him, that is, if we say that we know God, that is, if we say we have a relationship with him and yet walk in darkness, we're liars. All right? Why? Because the very nature of who God is is light into your life. And if you can see in order to have a relationship with him, that you're going you're to walk as if you can see, not someone who's living in darkness. John was pretty straightforward here, right? Okay, we lie and we do not practice the truth. He goes on, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That is, we'll have kinship with each other because all of us are different. If, I mean, but, but all of us are the same. If you can see, life is different when you can see as opposed to when you can't, Right? The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, other things are new. In other words, you see things different because you are different. Because there's a difference in here, right? 
There's a difference in the way somebody lives when they can see and when they can't see. I try never to be judgmental or critical of people who are lost. I guess the reason is because, or the people that are in darkness, I guess the reason is because I remember what it was like. I was 21. I remember what it was like to live in darkness. I remember what it was like to make bad decisions. In fact, when you're in the darkness, usually you just make decisions out of fear, right? Fear of being alone, fear of being excluded, fear of, fear of, fear of, fear of, fear of. It's an incredible thing how it works. So I don't, I hope you're not either. I hope you're not highly critical of the people around you. Yeah, because think about uh, all of us and where we would be if we were living in darkness. Does that make sense to you? So let's be like Christ is and let's have compassion on people. Because you're not going to bring them to the light by constantly judging them, right? Anyway, that's, that's again, we'll, let's off track a little bit, but let's go back. All right, so as we then co- close this thought, if we're in Christ, we're a new creation. That is something is there that wasn't there before. When something is a new creation, it means that something is there that wasn't there before. Therefore, it's this whole idea of a change, now, as we, as we, I have this video clip I want to share with you. We've been sharing this every week. Let me share it with you if you haven't been here. We've shared with you the first one was the past. That was Scrooge, the miser, the, you know, the money was his God. He didn't care if everybody hated him, which everybody did hate him. All he knew is he had a lot of money and that's all he cared about. That was his past. And then the present, that is the circumstances that are used to open your eyes. And in his particular case, it's a fictitious story, obviously, you have the three ghosts, right? Past, present, future, right? And then it opens his eyes and he sees things. And then what follows is a changed life, all right? So take a look at this clip from A Christmas Carol on Scrooge's changed life, all right? Take a look at this. I must stress myself so much to do that I don't lose any time. I, I was light. I'm as happy as an angel. <laughs> I'm as merry as a schoolboy. Oh, gentlemen, uh, good morning. To you. Merry Christmas to you. Mr. Scrooge. Yeah, that is my name. I fear it is not pleasant to you. Allow me to beg your pardons and please accept my pledge to the poor and needy for. Uh, Lord bless me. My dear Mr. Scrooge. Are you quite uh, serious? If you please, and not a farthing less. There are a great many back payments uh, included in that, I assure you. What can I say to such generosity? Don't say anything. My dear sir. Will you come and see me? We will. Oh, we will indeed. I'm very much obliged. Thank you. Fifty times. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, I've come for three reasons. First to beg your pardon for the things I said about Christmas. That was a humbug, friend. Was it? Mm. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. Secondly, I've come to meet your wife. Well, here she is. Yes. And a very beautiful woman she is, too. Thank you. I, uh... 
I was in love once. Would you believe that? Yes. That I possess neither the courage nor the optimism, or perhaps the depth of feeling that you two have. Thirdly, if the invitation to dine with you today is still in force, I accept. Of course it's still in force. <laughs> Hurrah! <laughs> I was sure that one day. You were sure, were you? Well, apparently you were right. <laughs> yes, I should like to dine with you and your friends. You'll be more than welcome. It isn't too much trouble. I should like to sample some of that punch for Josephine's. Of course. You've made us both very happy, Uncle Ebenezer. Have I? Yes. God forgive me for the time I've wasted. God forgive me for the time I've wasted. He picked up on a great line there because anyone who's ever become a believer, especially later, I was 21, I know a lot of you, that's the first thing that hits your mind for every one of us. It's like when, when you finally see it, because you've been groping around in darkness forever, and then when you see it, you're like, oh, how could I have missed it all this time? That's the, that's the heart cry of someone who hasn't seen it, but now does. So it's a, again, Dickens was a master storyteller. He was just lived at a time and he had such a gift of being able to express those things. But as I close today, there's one other one that I want to share with you because it's, I just want you to see it. And I think you're starting to see it, this whole past, present, future. But one of the great pictures of this was another fictitious story, but it was this fictitious story that Jesus told. It's found in Luke chapter 15. And it's, it's known as the prodigal son. I just want you to see it. Again, it's not going to take us long, only about three or four minutes. So I'm going to go through this quickly. But again, I just want you to see this past, present, future. I just want you to see the progression because it's all over the scriptures. But in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, it says, uh, there was a man, it says there, that had, uh, that had two sons. And it said that the younger one uh, came to him and said, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them which was the ultimate disrespect for a Jewish kid to ask a father for his inheritance before the father died. Because what you're saying is, Dad, I want what you have, but I don't want you. And so, but the father did, and it says he divided his property between them. And not that many days afterwards, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And it says there that he squandered, okay, his property in reckless living. Why? Because when you're younger, you still think that, you know, that the good life is meant in getting to do anything you want to do, right? And you don't learn later that it just turns out like this, all right? And so uh, anyway, and so, and when he'd spent everything, a famine came into the, into the country and he began to be in need, all right? So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him in the field to feed pigs, which is about as low as you can go for a Jewish kid, right? So he goes on to say, and he was longing to be fed the pods that the pigs ate because nobody would give him anything, okay? This is where he'd gotten to, right? This was his past. This was a kid that was lost. This was a kid that, was in darkness, walking in darkness. But then the present part, what is it the things, circumstances that bring light into his life? Well, let's read Jesus as he tells this story. He says, when he came to himself, 
His eyes were open, whatever you want to call it. But there became, there became information that dawned on him, right, that he hadn't thought of before. And he says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I'm sitting here dying here of, of, of hunger. I'm going to go back. I'm going to rise. I'm going to go back to dad. And we'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm not any longer worthy to be called your son. Could, I just, could you just hire me as a servant? All right? And so he arose and went back to the father, right? Well, it was still way a long way off. says the father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him, which I'm sure was a smelly kiss since he'd been with the pigs, just a thought, right? just a thought. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he wouldn't even let him finish the little speech he had. But the dad said to the servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, right? Ring for his hands, shoes for his feet. Bring the fatted calf and let's kill it. And let's eat and let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. This is my son who is dead and is alive. This is my son who was lost. Now he's found. They began to celebrate. You know, it's the same story, guys. It's just, it, it just represents different people walking different roads, doing different things. But it's the same thought at Christmas time, right? It has to do with who Jesus is. People walking in darkness. This kid living in a foreign country, right? Eating after pigs, right? That's how far he'd gone down. It's the present circumstances that God uses to bring his light into your life. And then after you've seen it, it's the changed life that follows, right? This kid went to be in the son of the father again. It's an amazing thing. Again, you see, you see all of it. You see all the difference, but it's the, same, it's the same story throughout. You take a look at Passover, and, uh, you know, if you just put the blood on the door, right, you know, you go from death to life. It, Again, every story, it just all has the same picture. Why? Because it's, who, it's all about who Jesus is and what he came to do. So as I close today, there's never been a time in your life that you've done that. Again, I'm not asking you to be religious. That's why I never ask you, okay, we, you, know, you have to join the church. You have to go through this list of things to do. Why? Because those are all man-made lists. God basically get, puts light in your life, and it's a personal message personal light to you has nothing to do with everybody else. Don't let anybody else get in the way. Don't let any church, don't let religious people, don't let anybody get in your way of seeing God's message to you. That's the picture today. There's never been that time you'd like to talk to somebody. There'll be some pastors and people up here afterwards that would love to share with you what does that mean, right? But if you are a believer today, celebrate the fact, right? Celebrate the fact that light has come into your life, right? And that you're a new creation, as the scripture says. That is what the celebration of Christmas is all about. It's just so many miss it in the celebration part, right? Good deal. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.